Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Monica Cote, who creates music solo as Nordra and is also in the band Zen Mother with Adam Walcott-Smith. She's based in Seattle. And I first got into Monica's music via her Nordra project. Her self-titled album came out on Siege and it got me instantly. I think what gets me most about Nordra's music, and this has also transpired to be true of Zen Mother as well, I think, but change is such an intense and unexpected process within the music. You can be submerged deep inside a particular atmosphere which is built on these very hydraulic electronic drums based on these arcing kind of trumpet drones that fly over the top uh, and guitars and then suddenly it all drains away and just leaves this spindle of you know finger pluck song and voice and then something else changes and suddenly you're somewhere else but there's always like the kernel of the next within the now but in such a subtle way that she just drags that kernel up and then turns it into the entire atmosphere the entire landscape not sure if i'm making much sense but it's captivating music you can find out more about nordra at nordra.net or nordra.bandcamp.com you can find out more about zen mother at zenmother.com or zenmother.bandcamp.com and as always you can go to attention magazine .co.uk forward slash crucial listening for more information on Monica's picks and links to her music as well. Without any further delay, here's Monica on Crucial Listening. Monica, welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi, how's it going, Jack? Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah. So you've brought three important albums, uh, as is the custom on the podcast. Uh, but yes. before we talk about those records, I wanted to ask you about a record that you've just finished mixing, mm-hmm. I believe you just yes. said, uh, for your band Zen Mother. Yes. Um, which I think I just saw described on Facebook as something like absolutely psycho. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> so that's you, a, uh, well tell me a bit about that i mean psycho has been my new favorite adjective to describe a lot of things so <laughs> i don't know if it if it's really psycho or if i just like using the word psycho but <laughs> i think it is in this case actually absolutely psycho um we recorded it with randall dunn who's a really really good friend of ours um we had an amazing time amazing camaraderie in the studio which is always like incredible Mm. and um he just killed it he knocked it out of the park we kind of went into it thinking that we were going to just give it our all and have it be as hard as possible and you know make every section like its extreme version of whatever it called for you know in that section so there's like so many there's just a lot of sound design on it that that we really put our heart and soul into and um just incredible sounds like really unique sounds with personalities i think that i would describe as psycho Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um which is really uh so it's like i yeah i don't know um i say psycho because sometimes i hear the mixes and i like laugh at a certain part because it's, <laughs> because it's so extra <laughs> Cert, certain like you know there'll be like a sax solo that's just you know kind of out of this world like our friend Skerrick played sax on on it and um just kind of funny funny overdubs that are 
that are uh, just really extreme. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, that's how I'd, I'd categorize the whole the whole process. It's very intense and and just so rewarding. And I, I learned so much about sound, um, songs, arrangement, and like my own even inner psychology, and then the psychology of band members and Randall and. So I, I just learned a lot from, from this record. I'm really grateful to have gotten to do it. Did that learning come from the fact that you were working with an experience that was so intense? Because that can often fortify yeah. bonds quite quickly. Sure, yes. I think the, well, the learning came from Randall, for sure. And, um, you know, his, his like, expertise at sound and, and like, uh, engineering and just, and also, yeah, it's it's a very intense situation. So you learn a lot about yourself when you're trying to create something that's so intimately inside of you and trying to communicate it in the appropriate way. Hmm. It's just, yeah, so it's, your emotions are so heightened. And then also, you know, there's this other side of like, you know, we just learned so much about sound design and just choosing the choices, basically, sonic choices. I mean, I love the fact that you mentioned that you've been laughing at the mixes because that's that's an experience (laughs) I've had before where it's almost the only experience I can think of it being akin to is perhaps looking back on the photos of a night out which went a bit out of control exactly being like what was that headspace I mean it was me Mm -hmm. but which part of me was that (laughs) yeah that's a really good analogy actually (laughs) and do you have any idea when that record comes out I don't really have an idea of that. I think we're looking for a label right now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know when it's going to come out. Um, hopefully as soon as possible, but um, yeah. I I don't know. These things take take time. Yeah, yeah. It's risky putting dates on it, isn't it? Um, it is risky, yes. <laughs> and you've also got live dates coming up, I mean, both with Zen Mother and with Nordra as well. Yeah, yes. Yeah. A lot of shows coming up. Yeah. And I saw something as well teased about the the fact that you're using quite an interesting setup with Nordra at the moment for your live shows. So what are you you using to uh bring Nordra to the stage? Well, I I decided so I I I was using, you know, MPC like a bunch of guitar pedals and like and just, you know, my trumpet and whatever guitar amp and stuff. But mm. like I I felt the urge to kind of go modular and I and I thought at that moment that I or that I probably said that that I was going to be just fully modular but something like didn't work out like I got an octatrack and I went and I bought some modules and I sold a lot of gear to do that and there was something that wasn't working with it it's like it's like that that's something that I've learned a lot I learned a lot about um, like music creation in that process of switching gear, actually, Hmm. Um, which was like, I need certain tools to be able to say exactly what I want to say and what I want to hear. And sometimes if there's a tool in there that like has its own personality or opinion to show me, then that's cool. But with some of the like with the octatrack I, I don't mesh well with it because it it kind of it it's fe- it feels like it's trying to write music for me and right. it doesn't obey me you know it's not really like it's kind of like a really it's a great experimental tool for creation and i think it works with other uh like you know when you when you need inspiration or when you like you don't mind the chaos Um, and you want it to make decisions for you but like I was kind of trying to fit in old paradigms or like constructed paradigms into some of this modular stuff in the octatrack and it just it wasn't working um it was like fighting me so I kind of went back to the MPC route and um but yeah I don't know I'm using modules for processing and stuff but uh so it's not going to be too different the setup yeah but It'll definitely be, um, you know, some more interesting sounds. I, I spent some time crafting some sounds. Actually, as, you know, I was inspired by the, you know, the sound design from the Zen Mother record. So I, so I went in, the, you know, 
an exploratory direction with just my own solo live set yeah. as well. Yeah. But it's, it's always felt, even just as a listener, like a very exploratory project because it seldom seems to dwell upon itself for too long before sort of going, what's over here or, or, or what else can I be? Yeah, um, I have serious ADD in that way. Right. I think. <laughs> well, it, I think it makes for. I mean, from my side, fascinating listening. Just because I think a lot of the materials that you work with are often things that perhaps are associated with the states of of lingering and uh, kind of drilling down rather mm-hmm. than a, a, across and out, which is fascinating. But I mean, sure, sure. It, it it kind of brings me back to something, and I don't know whether this is. Uh, apt to mention here or not but when i interviewed you for the website a couple of years ago i think you spoke or is it last year we spoke about the fact that uh discomfort is something that you at least at that time were contemplating a lot in relation Mm -hmm. to you know the, the the aversion of discomfort being something that shouldn't be entertained perhaps that, that in fact yeah. discomfort can be a positive thing i mean mm-hmm. is that still something that occupies your mind and and uh does it also factor into the way in which you approach your music as well yeah i mean i i think about that concept all the time still um and i think i have some new like insights on it um from thinking about it over the past couple years mm. uh yeah i yeah i feel as though with comfort just your thought process uh diminishes or like uh you can't you're easily deluded into something that possibly could be detrimental to you i mean like logic and order um and like these set of laws that guide us in living life like i i just feel like they should constantly be examined you know Mm. so if that's if if you know with sound as well like it's the same thing should constantly be re-examining things and like pushing what what feels good to you and try to make it like go further and you'll learn about yourself and you'll not sit in this nebulous space where like maybe there's a maybe there's a fog around you you know like Mm. i i fear that you know yeah i fear that i'm i'm in a fog so i don't like that feeling yeah it's something that occupies my mind as well i think in terms of the way in which i try and navigate my experiences and right i remember it came up for you in the context of analog to digital conversion which it certainly leads me to think about the way in which technology can often be its own form of comfort and Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, oh, completely, yeah. Yeah, and pacification to a certain extent, which I, I suppose is an outgrowth of comfort. Um, oh, yeah. Are there are there ways in which you look to instigate experiences of discomfort in your life outside of music? Right. I mean, I suppose, you know, an obvious thing is just following uh, news and people that you don't align with, uh, hmm. you know. Yeah. Maybe that's like a very obvious one, but I think also just kind of I do I do tend to put myself in situations that that make me uncomfortable and push my boundaries. Like uh, like when I when I get back from a tour, I I make sure that I schedule uh, you know six shows like <laughs> right when I get back, or a, another tour that starts the day I get back, or. Uh, I have to fly somewhere the next day just so I can just um I think I think what it is is maybe partially just not wanting to be in a fog but also just fear of like a uh depression or like you know lingering monotony which is my greatest fear mm. um so yeah there sometimes I put myself in situations where it's like I know I'm going to be uncomfortable during this but I think I need to just do this so that I suffer a little bit and um and uh learn something because that's just when i learn things you know when i'm getting pushed just like the zen mother record we're we're, we were all getting pushed and i learned so much and i'm so grateful because it's just made me 
honestly look at the the world with like completely fresh eyes and i just want to have fresh eyes and ears always that's great that you've got a relationship with music which where it acts like not an outlet necessarily or exclusively but also a means sure. of fe- feeding back inward to you know a, a, a life outlook it's there's something nourishing oh, yeah. about it yeah yeah there's there's something so um yeah pedagogic about it it's strange but definitely an outlet for you know healing as well you know it's so many things there's so many roles yeah on the theme of discomfort i think it's interesting to listen to the records that you picked out as important and maybe confront some of my own uh, listening discomforts as well yeah uh, totally yeah <laughs> so let's talk about your records i mean the, the question that i like to ask to begin with is how you thought about the term important when you're putting this list together so was there a right. particular means in which you interpretate interpreted that term in order to come up with the list that you've you've brought today yeah yeah i didn't necessarily choose like um the records i mean i did these these are all records that i've listened to on repeat you know for months on end but Mm. like so yes they're like enjoyable to me but they are i i definitely heeded your word important like in the fact that i think that they changed me you know they changed my conception of sound uh i think that's what I viewed important as like something that like really shaped my uh, understanding of sound or like uh, opened me up, basically gave me fresh eyes. Like um, I think I would choose that, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of like, you know, amazing records that I love and I've listened to on repeat endlessly too. But um, these ones have definitely like, uh, shown me discomfort like in myself and then made me try to figure out what that was so let's start with your first one if you want to give me the name of it and tell me a bit about why it's important as well um we could start with flood um by jocelyn puck i don't know if it's pook or puck um but she she's a film uh primarily i think a film composer uh, she did Eyes Wide Shut, I'm pretty sure. But um, yeah. early 2000s, um, like, this record is uh, just... I, I guess the importance that I took from this record was, like, the human voice and drones. Like, I I just... I didn't know that... I don't think I knew that drones could be so powerful before I listened to this record. Like, could invoke so much within me, you know? Yeah. Do you remember how you first heard it? How I first heard the record. Oh, I know, because, um, so my partner, um, showed me this, uh, this person who made these world music playlists, um, I think his name was Holy Warbles. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, no. But this person has incredible music taste um and one of the tracks was just uh migrations um on uh the eyes wide shut soundtrack it's like that scene where you know they're it's like the big orgy scene or whatever um and that was on there so i was like okay wow this this track is everything um and so i just you know looked looked her up after that um and just listen to her albums. Yeah, this record, I think it's, it's interesting you seem to have identified in describing it the thing that jumped out to me most prominently when I've been listening to this record, which is the drone element of it, which is yeah. quite strange, I guess, because I listen to a lot of drone music. And yeah. this is... I mean, the strings do linger and they do drone, but, you know, compared to drone works that I've heard since, they're not hugely pronounced, like, you know, 10, 20-minute drones. They're just like these minute, lingering blocks of sound. Yeah, they're kind of like dry, in-your-face drones that are short, which is interesting. Yeah. And um, when you mentioned the, the human voice as well, the juxtaposition... I mean, because I understand, is it Jocelyn singing on a lot of the tracks as well? 
No, no, she's. I think she's hired um, or collaborated with like um, with a bunch of singers, various singers. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I've seen one of the singers sing before some video, and it, and, and it was amazing. But I, I don't know exactly who who. You mentioned that this has maybe led you into some uh, other works as well. Uh, are there any other albums in particular that are particularly prominent in your mind along with this one? Um, in terms of Jocelyn? Or... Yes, yeah. So the Desh soundtrack is really good. Um, and Untold Things is also pretty good. Um, I mean, Flood is is definitely my favorite, but Untold Things is kind of cool. It's it's 2001. It's it's also a similar vibe to, to Flood. And there's also like this, it's kind of funny, you like really... F- hear her voice in um her uh, musical voice uh in this like rendition of ave maria that she that she's done Hmm. it's really interesting i recommend listening to that nice yeah it's interesting that she seems to lace familiar pieces of music like i think there's a version of pa yezu on this record as well on flood yeah 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 (laughs) it's it's amazing (laughs) yeah um and in fact, I saw, I, I looked at an interview with her earlier today, and it seemed that she has confronted the fact that a lot of people struggle with categorizing her music. And perhaps that's mm-hmm. something that's particularly prominent in the classical world that, you know, when you have classical charts and whatnot, totally. they can be quite rigid with what yeah. they'll accept. Um, and it made me think, I mean, is this something that you confront within Nordra? Because I can imagine that, you know, when people decide that there's a, a function to trying to categorize your music I don't know perhaps for putting on a, a bill or you know mm-hmm. for a review do you find that people struggle with putting you in a, a particular box that feels comfortable to them um yeah maybe um I feel like there's enough elements of a couple of genres that people can kind of latch on to whatever actually suits it best you know mm, yeah you know if there's like a black metal band playing they can focus on the guitar or something and you know or if it's harsh noise they could focus on like the the more brash um arrangements and stuff but yeah it is a little um i just kind of blanket it blanket it as a uh, experimental music you know yeah yeah so i yeah it is hard to kind of categorize that uh, cuz it's kind of dancey too but it's like not it's not the right vibe for for uh to call it dance music but does that as a performer give you the opportunity to confront audiences in a a way that perhaps challenges expectation if you if you're placed onto bills where there's perhaps one element which has a a, a line of connection with you know the other artists yes. you're playing with uh, yes what's that like um that's that's always like a little weird if it's if it's discordant. I feel like there's always just one element that works really well and it it feels I'm like comfortable with that and it feels and it feels good and I don't really I don't know, I don't really think about that too much actually like hmm. as long as I feel like if I feel a connection to the other bands, it doesn't really matter what it is. Uh, or what genre connection it is. Um, if I respond to the music positively, I'm happy. But if it if if it's the same exact genre, whatever that may be, and I don't feel a connection to it, that's like when I feel uncomfortable. You know. So let's move to your second record now. So uh, if you'd like to give me the name of it and a little bit about why it's important to you as well. Oh, sure. Um, The Great Annihilator is by Swans and it just, you know, it's just a meaningful record to me. I I love the drumming on it so much and I just, I love the songwriting. Like, 
and it's you know it's also like a heavily drone based record and <laughs> <laughs> I just really like drones and uh I'm just interested in the way people use them to like uh really I don't know just bring out um strong feelings within me uh it's kind of like a more visceral choice for me um but it the great annihilator but um I think I also was really emotional in the times that I've been listening to this record, you know, like when I discovered it when I was like young and then like rediscovering it, uh, all those times I feel like I, I had a heightened sense of like, uh, ah, the world is ending kind of feeling. So maybe there's some, you know, attachment there, uh, that makes me, yeah. Like when, when you said choose top, three or the three most important records I I kind of I was like well what has made me feel the most extreme and intense you know and and it'd be these and and it's probably related to some environmental situation as well you know as the music and it the music brought out those feelings of life and it maybe it matched the intensity of the feelings I was feeling uh at that time or something like that and I think that's really powerful yeah that's an interesting point that really the the importance of an album isn't just entirely contained within that record itself. That totally, totally. It's a it's a dialogue with you know surroundings and circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have obviously you mentioned they were perhaps emotionally intense times. Do you have particular places that this record takes you back to because of those experiences when you listen now, or is it having like a a refreshed dialogue every time you listen to it? Uh, no, it takes me back like hardcore. I mean, so does Flood. So do all these records. They they all take me directly back to like this this time where I discovered it, or this time when I was listening, or all the times really that I've been into these records. I mean, I'm not really into. I don't really like listen to these records anymore. Really, um, hmm. like even the Flood record, I, I feel like I don't. Um, like I could, you know, do without some of the tracks. Whereas, like before, I, I, I just loved the whole whole thing. But it's still, uh, it's still immediately nostalgic for me and brings me back to an environment and a place and the situation I was in at the time, for sure. And you mentioned that these records all have some kind of shaping effect on your own relationship with sound. Mm-hmm. How, what did that look like with the Great Annihilator? Um, I think maybe like the songwriting, uh, the songwriting in conjunction with the droning, uh, really, um, gave me just such a heightened feeling, um, that, and like the driving drums and, and whatnot, like, um, and the mantric qualities of, of most of the songs. Most of the songs have such a mantric feel where it's just repetition and, and, uh, yeah just it's the power of repetition i think is what i learned from this record yeah it's so interesting how it's used on this one i think because uh i have heard you know i'm quite attached to most of their discography and i think repetition is wielded in so many different ways for so many Mm -hmm. different purposes throughout and there's obviously the earlier records where it's perhaps an evocation of labor and almost the mundane and then yeah with this one it's almost an ecstasy uh right so i mean are there um i mean what's your relationship like with their discography generally are you are there other albums as well that you gravitate towards or or periods of of swans um definitely i mean um i loved uh uh, soundtracks for the blind to be kind i mean i i love all of their records Uh, it's (laughs) like I love all the discography. <laughs> this, this this one is just the the one that really really like um, hurt me, you know, really got to me. Yeah. Uh, maybe the time I was listening to it was the reason for that, but uh, I I can't know that really. I mean, there's some like tragic songs on this that I that I don't know. I don't know if I I've heard anything more tragic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they do that well, I think, because if they strike upon a tragic theme, by mm-hmm. the time you've heard it, th- three minutes looped, 
it's burrowed yeah. to a place that he didn't even think it could really go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Um, and uh, is there? I mean, is there a particular? This is you know sometimes a bit of an agonizing question, so I apologize if so. But is there a, a favorite track that you have on this record? Oh, it's. I mean, it's an agonizing question just because it's so hard to choose. But yeah. um, the the track I guess that would that like hurts me the most, you know, mm-hmm. would maybe be maybe Blood Promise, but also Killing for Company. They're kind of like the more you oh, know wow. so- singer songwriter ones, you know. They're they're like the chiller ones, um, but yeah, Blood Promise is is, is probably my favorite one. Wow, that's so interesting because they're the two that I haven't listened to this album in about three, four years. Yeah. And they're the two tracks that I remember having the strongest connection to myself when I listened back to it. Yeah, the the intros came in. And I don't know whether you have this, but sometimes there's, I can forget a song. And then if I hear the intro, I Mm. kind of have the sentiment before i have the recognition so i'm like totally this, this brings me back but I exactly don't know to where or to what <laughs> yeah exactly i i don't know what is so hypnotic about those intros but mm-hmm. it's just it's so um it's so powerful like the imagery and the, of the feeling and yeah yeah that's interesting you you have a connection to those two tracks as well yeah, there's, uh, I think, I don't know, I think as you say, they're, they're sort of softer, mm-hmm. I think they're the most wounded sounding songs. They are the songs. most wounded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other ones are kind of charged with energy, whereas whereas those two are, are a little bit more defeatist or, like, energy-wise. Yeah. I think it's where they fall as well, probably with the track listing. I can't remember the ordering, yeah. but um, just blood promise come after oh gosh um it's right before mind body light sound which Ah, is super charged which is an incredible track too and then and then killing for company i think is either before or after alcohol the seed which is the most aggressive one i think yeah um on the on the album so yeah i guess that juxtaposition does something too for sure yeah it feels, I think those juxtapositions feel very familiar as well, I think, if I think of moments of extreme sadness, the mm-hmm. uh, ability for that experience to vacillate quite quickly into anger makes yeah. the whole sequencing feel very, uh, I mean, almost a bit too close to home sometimes. Yeah, like, it's just so human. Yeah, yeah. totally. And uh, have you seen them live? Yeah, I've seen them live. I have. I've seen them live only recently, though, you know, so I've seen the like the two, uh, the three hour vamp sets. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I think maybe the times I've seen them, I've been too tired to stand kind of thing. (laughs) So then it's like three hours of vamp. It's so cool. Like, it's so great and awesome. But I think I've seen two of those sets um, and it was the same one. So maybe... I think I just, I would have loved to see uh, them in the past, but I think I was, I was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you're either all in or oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's too much. Uh, yeah, I, I should have like smoked some weed or something. I think I was just tired and standing there and, you know, yes. <laughs> in a large venue, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they headline a lot of festivals, which I think is almost quite cruel in the sense that you have... It's... Right, right. (laughs) ...so much music up to that point. And then um, now time for your three-hour feature. It's kind of funny, though. I mean, I I saw them at uh, Primavera in Barcelona. I was there, yeah. You were there? Oh, cool. Well, what year did you see? That was like, like two years ago. The one where they played in the auditorium? Yes, I think so. Was that two years ago? I think so. Yeah, yeah. My my partner was playing Primavera, so I that's why I was there. Oh. And I was on tour, and so I just met up with him there. And uh, Yeah, so that was funny, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> to do that there. Yeah, it's great. I mean, also, great festival as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the good thing about the festival, I think, is 
my wife and I have been about three times now and we have divergent music tastes but it's pretty much the only festival that caters for oh, both wow. yeah interesting so we can see you know the black keys uh, and then half an hour later see sun uh, right and uh, we're both they should do a, they should do a collab <laughs> well they almost did in the sense that you could hear sun pretty much from where oh, black right. keys were playing <laughs> that's actually amazing yeah yeah it's yeah. very surreal um i mean i was going to ask what you think of also that Swan's more recent records because I feel like listening back to this record The Great Annihilator mm-hmm. made me think about how much actually that the new stuff taps into perhaps The Great Annihilator more than yes. a lot of stuff. Yes, yeah, To Be Kind really does that. I mean, there's there are so many moments that remind me of this record. Mm. Yeah. And sort of expanded from maybe you know, a, a, a four-minute piece of repetitious ecstasy to, you know, 20 yeah. or, or whatever. It also has some filth vibes that I that I hear. Yes. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's some moving or remembrance of old records for sure and the new yeah. stuff. And there's a new one coming out too, so, or, you know, going to be recorded, so it's exciting. Yeah. With a new lineup, is it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Look, I, I seem to remember at the time that The Glowing Man came out, they were talking about that that was the last with the current incarnation. So it'd be interesting to see whether there's a uh, completely revamped version of, you know, Swans at this point and yeah. perhaps their sets will shrink in uh, duration accordingly. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be down for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So let's have your final record now, Monica. If you want to tell me the name of it and a little bit about why it's important. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, it's Dr. Faust by Igor Wykovich. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's a weird one, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's an uncomfortable that. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's also just a really emotional one for me, uh, uh, nostalgic, nostalgia-wise. Um I don't know. It's just uh, the sound design on it. It's crazy. It's just <laughs> insane. And it's it's the merging of chamber music and uh, 70s, you know, Prague, whatever, Canterbury, right. rock and opposition. And that's just like, those are two things that are just so big in my heart, you know? Yeah, I just, I really like... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem, I think, with also some of these records that are so important is that, you know, there's not always a, a neat, tidy explanation that does them sure. justice when they have lines going all the way back to really nostalgic experiences. But um, yeah, am I right in thinking that you and Adam bonded over a shared love of Igor? Yes, yes, totally. I mean, yeah, th- this this person we've talked we talked about when we first kind of met and it was kind of like a wow you know small town and then nobody i don't know us listening to igor wykovich is kind of funny (laughs) um and being like whoa you like this okay you're you're weird so we should hang out forever (laughs) (laughs) and so it was yeah, yeah, we we even like made some tracks together that were like, you know, there's some to- there's some totally there's some, some sounds that are very that I that remind me of this record uh Dr. Faust and and I really and we had a band, we ca- we had a band called Dr. Faust after this record too. Wow. <laughs> it's it was involved. Yeah. Very involved. <laughs> That's why it was it was the choice to make in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, actually, Zen Mother was called Dr. Faust before, and we we changed it to Zen Mother. No way. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but I read this on their on the Wikipedia page, uh, that 
that Dr. Faust was dedicated to Robert uh, Wyatt and Mike Ratledge, yeah. the soft machine. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's lunacy. I mean, I, I can see them being <laughs> really into it as well because it's yeah. kind of within their wheelhouse in terms of, uh, I don't know, music that refuses to sit still and be something. Totally. <laughs> and it's funny because the new Zen Mother record kind of, it has some serious soft machine vibes. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah, so we, we, I don't know, when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm so predictable. We just, <laughs> we're just like, <laughs> there's nothing interesting about us. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it all leads back to soft machine. All leads back to soft machine, yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that um, the kind of constituent components of Igor's music sit big in your heart i mean how yeah how did they come to be something that you you value as i mean so we're talking about these kind of what is it like the the prog element and then sort of modern classical kind of side of it yeah 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 i mean i think as a kid i liked classical music the most you know like that is the that is the music that made me go knees deep into music and wanting to make it my life you know Hmm. i started off doing classical guitar so i don't know if that's like directly related to this but that was happening as i was you know listening to classical music (laughs) a lot of classical guitar music just changed changed me and i guess put me here like in doing music all the time and having it be my life um so then Obviously, the, it's visceral nature with the visceral nature of so many rock records that I grew up with. Um, like, really, just this combination. I, I love. I love all of that rock in opposition stuff. The chamber, chamber seventies rock. Like, it's just so cool. My Walcott just showed me this this band, Universe Zero. I don't know. Do you know who this is? They're they're Belgium. And they're Belgian, and they're 70, 74-ish uh, rain. What's the name? Verzero. Um, universe, uh, but without the E, and zero. Oh, Z. I've heard of them, but never listened. Okay, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty psycho. That's like really good. <laughs> that is the apt adjective for them. They go really hard. It's just music that's like devoid of intimate emotions and only of brutality. Wow. I think that's like I think that's what I like about Dr. Faust actually. There's not really any like um it's it's it almost feels like it's devoid of empathy or sympathy. It's like <laughs> <laughs> which is I mean which I I I mean there's so many records that I love that do that, you know, like I feel like Great Annihilator does that flood does that but um there's something i like about like this cold uh cold brutal world of you know yeah that that merging of the classical and then like the you know the militant drums and the drumming on on dr faust is is my favorite favorite style it's weird like it's so yeah i think you're the the lack of empathy is is an interesting point it feels uh I mean, obviously, I, I've just listened to it over the course of... Um, I, I hadn't heard it before, you know, this conversation. But mm-hmm. it steamrolls its way through all of the changes that it goes through with utter yeah. confidence in a way that I yeah. find quite intimidating, really. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's crazy. like, it's like wow, this person knows something that I don't fucking know. <laughs> and, like, they're just going for it. And I'm kind of scared. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's well. It's one of those things where, um, and this is something I do when I'm listening. Is when this album starts, and it starts with a, a kind of almost like a psychedelic jam kind of thing. Yeah. And I saw on my uh, stereo that the track was ten minutes long, and I thought I had a handle on where this was going. Just um, round in circles, sort of LSD hallucinations, very woozy, Mm -hmm. sort of. And then the orchestra kind of comes in uh, yeah and hard yeah yeah yeah, really hard but (laughs) it's that thing where you have to do this complete remapping of your internal imagery of what you picture this music to be composed of 
when you yeah. realize there's an orchestra just in the dark for the first however many minutes that's waiting to come out that's it's so funny striking yeah yeah i wish i could listen to it for the first time <laughs> yeah it's it's well it's it's wild i didn't really feel like it was safe for motorway driving but that's where i did the first uh the first playthrough of it but um i mean it's 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 also interesting as well i, I don't know whether you have this but this is a record that came out was it in the early 1970s yeah yeah i think it was 71 uh-huh. and as someone who I mean, I was born in 1990. Uh, this, this, it seems only very occasionally that you find a record that was perhaps considered quite extreme or intense in its day to right. still feel like it can actually rattle you as someone in the 21st century. I mean, totally. I mean, yeah, that's why I really love this, you know, RIO stuff like Magma does that for me. Hmm. This Universe Zero band does that for me. Like I could still be, you know, some, you know, King Crimson still does that for me. Um, but yeah, it's like it's almost like King Crimson without the the fluff, you know. Right. Yes. <laughs> without the beautiful harmonies and melodies, and and I mean, it's just cold and yeah. I mean, if you listen to this record, is there? A- because it's it's huge i mean it sounds like it deserves quite a dedicated listening experience but yes is there a place that you would listen to this record ideally as a as a kind of setup uh well we always listen to it on tour if we're driving or something uh but just you know because it's like fun to listen to driving through mountains and stuff (laughs) but um but yeah i feel like uh it's i don't know tend to just kind of put it on at at our house um i don't know if i necessarily have like a listening party per se when it it comes on (laughs) um but but there are certain tracks where i like you know i have to halt and be like oh the horse sample's coming up i gotta i gotta really listen for that horse sample (laughs) (laughs) that horse sample is everything to me it just it's so good it's so it's aggressive it's so aggressive (laughs) i love it i love how hard it is i love anything that just goes super hard and actually and actually the the drumming on it reminds me of um or rather sheridan riley who's the drummer for zen mother her drumming reminds me of this record too so like i feel like there's so many ties to this record like more than i consciously realize you know and is that by accident or no oh total accident i mean well yeah it it was by accident i mean because she she started drumming with adam's band um which is it was called invisible hand but it's called wolcott's instant pain annihilator now and uh it's it's definitely more like power pop uh music that works great with her style too um kind of like more on the Genesis side of things. Um, so she started drumming with that project. And then like, on, like years later, she, you know, we were just like, we're super, we're best friends. So she started drumming with Zen Mother. And then I was like, wow, your drumming is like the drumming that I covet, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so funny uh, how, how much you can like love somebody and then, also covet their musical mind so much i don't know how linked that that is but kind of freaks me out sometimes <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> strange i mean I, i've certainly had that experience where i have friends that i've then gone into musical collaboration with and uh it's kind of like a i mean for, for, for me sometimes there's a dimension of friendship that can almost only be illuminated through that kind of dynamic yeah. right yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. We we were in a band together, I think, for like a year or over a year, and we still hadn't grown like grown close. Um, and I think it's because I didn't like fully grasp like her voice um, yet, like with the drumming hmm. or or something. I don't know what happened, but we just like fell in love in multiple ways, and so. <laughs> <laughs>
Monica, this has been great. Thank you so much for speaking to me about these records and, and also about your recent happenings as well. Totally, yeah, thank you. It's been really fun talking to you. And if people want to keep up to date with what you're doing, is there a website to navigate to or, or, or places online they should go? Um, I I make some updates on the Zen Mother Facebook, um, also on my Instagram account. I don't know. Um, I should get better about about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'd say Facebook or or Instagram and yeah. Great. I mean, actually, I had one more question that's just come back into my head, which is sure on the subject of listening. That with your interest in the analog to digital relationship and the, the conversion uh-huh. and, and what can perhaps be lost or what changes within that uh-huh. Uh-huh. dynamic. I mean, how does that impress upon your experiences with, with listening? Um, and, and do you have any mm, yeah. thoughts around digital etiquette around listening, which you're maybe cautious of or, 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 or see opportunity in? Or, yeah, what's your relationship like with listening with re- relation to that analog digital divide? I yeah uh man that's a hard one because so Wolcott is like a a avid record collector and I and we listen to records at home and it completely alters the listening experience obviously you have to flip the side and uh go through that motion and um yeah and I feel like that dictates what kind of record like vinyl records we we get for sure. Um, there's some things that like, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I'd act necessarily buy a young thug vinyl, but, right. <laughs> but like, cause it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of made to listen for on your, on your phone or something. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one, but there are definitely things that I listen to differently like if it's a friend's record or if it's an experimental record that 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 requires time and requires meditation during it Hmm. i respect that and i and i i don't i go i go for the full full experience but um yeah i don't know it just it depends on the on the record absolutely yeah well that's great uh monica thanks once again um, yeah. Uh, to everyone listening, I'll see you next time. Thanks. Uh-huh.